Our scripture today is from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Now the wife of a member of the company of prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, but a creditor has come to take my two children as slaves. Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? She answered, Your servant has nothing in the house except for a jar of oil. He said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not just a few. Then go in and shut the door behind you and your children and start pouring into all these vessels. When each is full, set it aside. So she left him and shut the door behind her and her children. They kept bringing vessels to her, and she kept pouring. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. But he said to her, There are no more. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your children can live on the rest. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. may be seated. Have you ever re-gifted anything? Maybe a gift card that you know you'll never use. Maybe that candle or tea set that's been sitting in your closet for the better part of the year. How about this? Have you ever been caught re-gifting something? I feel like there are at least one or two gifts under my mother's tree who have come from someone else. Her laughter gives her away. (laughs) I did catch my roommate re-gifting one year. I never said anything to him, but it was blindingly obvious that he pulled my gift out of his stash of Christmas gifts that he had just gotten from his family. It was time to participate in our annual household exchange. You see... My other roommate and I had this long-standing tradition of getting each other a Christmas gift. Every year, nothing fancy, just a simple tradition of gift-giving. This particular year, we had forgotten to communicate the tradition with our new roommate. There he stood, embarrassed and frustrated, as my roommate and I handed out our gifts. "Your, Your gifts are upstairs. He said and scurried up the stairs to retrieve our gifts. He returned with a brand new fossil travel bag, just what I always wanted. In today's scripture, we see a widow, daughter-in-law of the prophets, who is faced to pay the creditors who are threatening to take her children. Without a penny to her name and nowhere else to turn, she reaches out for the miracle worker himself the prophet Elisha. The same Elisha who brought a young boy back to life, who brought bad water to purification and doubled the miracle count of his mentor, Elijah. Elisha 
actually witnessed Elijah ascending into heaven on a chariot of fire shortly after Elijah blessed him with a double portion of his blessing. Elisha actually finished many of the works that Elijah began, and he now stood before the widow, hearing her plea about to multiply her jars of oil. With such an interesting and powerful character, it's hard not to make him our focus. Simply put, prophets are cool. They are biblical superheroes. Who doesn't check the prophecy score first after any spiritual gifts test, only hoping that you may too wear the badge of a prophet? But let's take a closer look at what's going on with the other characters in the Scripture. Looking a little deeper, we will see another miracle in the story beyond the jars of oil. One that perhaps we can connect with, or at least I can. Because I don't know how Elisha did what he did. I can't wrap my logical mind around multiplying jars of oil. But I do understand exactly what happened within the widow. For her, the time had come to pay her debt to contribute her part, and she had come up empty-handed. This place, this feeling, this character, I can relate to. There are generally three reasons why I choose not to give. Number one, I can't find a reason to. Number two, I don't want to lose what I have. And number three... I don't think I have anything of value to give. Well, the widow certainly has a reason to give. And the only things that she is trying to hold on to are her two children. So this eliminates one and two and only leaves option number three. She does not think she has anything to give except this ordinary run-of-the-mill jar of oil. When I lived in Mobile, I can remember sitting in my living room with all my bills scattered on the table, doing my best financial logistics to figure out what could be paid when, what I could eat when, where I could go when, and finally, what I would have to take a penalty on. Now, I did not have to deal with the threat of losing my children, and my heart does swell for those who have this weight added to their story. But I do know the feeling of thinking I have nothing left to give. I also know the guilt that that feeling breeds. I remember the feeling I had walking into the church across the street, this beautiful Methodist church in downtown Mobile, fighting with myself to even drop one dollar in the offering plate. If you have ever been in this spot, you know that it doesn't stop there in church. You hear the lie everywhere you turn. I have to think that what I felt at least slightly resembled how the widow felt. There's one more character in the scripture that I want to take a look at. He is working behind the scenes and often, even today, goes unnoticed. His very presence and activity shape the story, but he is not called out. This character, God the Father, the giver of gifts, is working miracles in and around his people in this story as well as still today. Through his prophet Elisha, he multiplied jars of oil. Within 
it in of itself is amazing. But what happened first, the change of thought sparked by one simple question in verse 2, tell me what have you in the house? What do you have is where we should start. The widow's response is short. She has one single, ordinary, overlooked, taken-for-granted jar of oil. She moved from a place of feeling and thought that she had nothing to give to what does she have to give. This is not just a change of thought, but a change of heart. This is a miracle. For anyone who has felt this shift in their own life knows the power of this miracle, as well as the course-adjusting impact that it can have in your life. Paul says that if our heart is not set with a readiness to give with a willing gift, then we simply should not give. There is wisdom here. Could it be as simple as seeking in your heart to make an impact? And then God revealing an opportunity to do so? Perhaps. It does start with a desire to give. A desire to make an impact. But it does not end there. It must end with action, echoing the words of James 2, 14 through 19. There in Mobile, despite my best prayer efforts... God did not bless me with an endless bank account, although I can claim many financial mercies. What he did was change my heart. God moved me from a place where my finances were polluting my spirit to a place of dependence on him. Then, when I was open to it, he put someone in my life, a mentor, to teach me, a man with a life of experience at the end of his career with the desire to pour into a young man. What were just conversations about the life he had lived that at the moment cost him nothing more than a few minutes continue today to shape me as a man, as a professional, and as a father. Who can put a price tag on that? One of the greatest lessons I learned in the chap- this chapter of my life was that God could save me financially in more places than my bank account. Although he would take my hourly rate, God cared more about the health of my spirit than he did my finances. He planted in me seeds that would bear fruit for years to come and taught me that a gift can be so much more valuable than money. Here is my challenge for you. In the words of Elisha, what have you? What has God blessed you with? Give that. It may be a physical gift. Maybe it's a mental gift. Perhaps it's a spiritual gift. Regift it. Give a portion back to God. What may seem ordinary and of no value to you just might be a miracle to the person sitting next to you. Let the recipient of the gift determine the value. You have a purpose, you have a place in the lives of those around you, and you have something that given to God can be a blessing. Like the widow, turn your attention to what you do have. 
There are no limits to what God can do through a generous spirit and a small gift. So let's recap just a little bit. We are in week three of four of our stewardship sermon series, which as much as I love the opportunity to preach, this was not my ideal sermon to get before you and present. But in week one, we studied what God had put inside of us and that with God, we are enough as we read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 12. In week two, we heard about God taking the ordinary and making it extraordinary as we read John 2, 1 through 11. And today, as we celebrate Laity Sunday, we look at 2 Kings chapter 4, 1 through 7 and see how God can do so much with so little in the hands of the right people. Hang tight, just one more week in our stewardship sermon series, and we will, we, we will be back to our regular scheduled programming. But while I have you, I would like to speak to you as a member of this church, as a person who has received more from this church than I could ever give back. As someone who will share in the same accountability of stewardship as you will. The biggest and best things that this church has done since our family joined in 1989 did not come from a million dollar budget. But rather a faithful and generous congregation. What I hope for the future of this church is that the walls are filled with people who can see and acknowledge what God has blessed us with that have gratitude for it and are generous with it. Honoring God with the smallest gifts for the right reasons, with the right intention, can result in things well beyond our imagination. I've seen it myself. He can do so much with so little that the finances of this church do not excite me. As it is written in Matthew 13, 8, Seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. From the parable of the sower. So, a small seed sown, resulting in a bountiful harvest, is not a new miracle for God. What does excite me is the faith and spirit of this church. What people feel when they walk in for the first time. It is one that God can move freely through if He so desires. Some of you are gifted leaders. Give your leadership. Some of you are gifted professionals. Give your experience. Some of you are gifted teachers. Give your instruction. Some of you have the faith of Abraham. Share it. And yes, some of you have been gifted financially. Give a portion of your resources. You never know what one shared gift can mean to the person next to you when God is in the transaction. I tell you, over a decade later, not only do I still lean on the conversations with my mentor in Mobile, Al Tynes, but I still have that travel bag. I use it every time I travel. Two gifts given years ago, still of value. Both have been considerably more valuable than the giver ever intended. Both gifts were re-gifted 
small, simple, and of little value to the giver, both were sparked by a desire to give. What do you desire? You have been uniquely gifted. You have something that you have overlooked. A piece of the puzzle that someone else desperately needs. Just like the widow in the scripture, maybe it is in fact a jar of oil or a seed that can be planted in good soil. Either way, with a grateful and gracious heart, regift it. May those with ears to hear, hear, and with eyes to see, see, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.